This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Have you ever been listening to a jazz recording and suddenly the soloist that you're listening to starts really going outside of the changes? Like, it sounds dissonant, it doesn't sound completely stable, it feels unstable, it feels a little shaky, but then all of a sudden they brilliantly resolve it back into the key center again and everything sounds like it came home and it sounds great and they end up sounding like a genius, right? You're like, wow, how did they do that? And sometimes we might want to start going outside of the changes, quote unquote, so that we can create some different colors, some different sounds, and then resolve back to where we want to be in the diatonic changes. So in today's episode, I'm going to be going over some ways to do that by looking at a particular lick that goes through this exact idea of playing outside the changes and then resolving back into the harmony again and see what lessons we can learn from that and take away from it. All right, let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Interesting topic for an episode today, which I don't think I've really ever truly covered on the podcast before. So I'm kind of excited about this particular one. And we're talking about playing quote unquote outside. Now, not everybody likes outside playing, but I feel like when people say they don't like outside playing, it's usually because it has drifted into the avant-garde or has you know gone to these extreme places where you don't really resolve back to diatonic harmony and feel like you're playing in a key center anymore. But I feel like when you hear someone play outside and it resolves back to a diatonic key center and it sounds musical, then people really enjoy it. And so even if you're not the kind of person that thinks of yourself as someone who wants to play quote unquote outside, hopefully you'll get something from this episode today. And if anything, just learn a few things about music and just give it a shot and see what kind of things you can come up with in your jazz lines that may sound a bit outside, but then come back right home to where you feel comfortable with the sound going. Now, this is going to be kind of fun because I'm actually stealing a lick from an etude that was used in a recent jazz standard study in my Inner Circle membership. We're studying Recordame, the jazz standard by Joe Henderson, and I hire a good friend of mine named Keelan Dimmick. He's been a guest on the show several times who makes these awesome etudes. And this particular etude, the theme was a little bit of going outside of the changes and targeting some extensions that are a little bit abnormal. So we're going to take just this one lick and take a look at it. Rather than going over a bunch of different examples, just try to you know make things simple and go over one lick to check it out. But on that note, just to start the show off before we go into the main content, this episode is sponsored by my very own LGS Inner Circle membership. Now, in case you're not familiar with the LGS Inner Circle membership is, it is monthly jazz standard studies like I just talked about with Recordame. It is all of my jazz courses and practice programs. It is basics 101 courses. 
It is monthly live Q&A sessions. It is a really phenomenal community of other like-minded musicians all together to help each other learn, to post each other's progress, to grow together. And it's a really great community over there. So if you're interested in checking out the LJS Inner Circle membership, go to ljsinnercircle.com, ljsinnercircle.com, read through the material, check out the video I have there, see if it's the right fit for you. And if it is, don't waste one more second, sign up, become a member, and we'll be excited to grow alongside of you. All right, let's jump right in to this lesson. All right, so for context's sake, this lick, like I said, uh, was composed within an etude over the jazz standard recordame by Joe Henderson. So just for context's sake here, let me just play you the head of recordame so you understand what it sounds like. So that's the head of recordame. So the part that this lick is over is actually just the C minor. So it starts on an A minor chord. Actually, more appropriately, it's actually an A minor six chord. Because that note is the sixth in the melody. So it goes for A minor six for four bars, and then it hops up a minor third to an A minor. Uh, sorry, A minor, C minor, so a C minor 6. So A minor is the first chord, then it goes up to C minor 6. Then it goes to 2, 5, 1 to B flat major, but what we're really focusing on is just this C minor 6, or the C minor 7. Really, when it comes to the improvisation, we really think of the first two chords as minor 7th chords. So the melody, yeah, minor 6 more appropriately, but we're just improvising. You know, A minor is fine, A minor 7, or C minor 7. So the lick that we're playing is it comes over top of the C minor portion. Now, what my friend Keelan has done here with this particular lick is he's decided to go way outside here, and he's basically calling this chord now a C minor major 7 sharp 11. Okay, a C minor major 7 sharp 11, which sounds like a pretty out chord. So here it is. At least that's a voicing of it, right, compared to this, right? Now we have this. So that sounds pretty out to our ears. I mean, the thing that's still there is there's a minor third, minor third of C minor being E flat, but then we have a major seventh in there, right? So that's already a little bit out. It's not too out because, you know, the minor major seventh chord is kind of familiar to our ears, but the major seven is that B natural, right? It kind of really clashes, right, when we're talking about a minor seventh chord, but to make it even funkier, there's a sharp 11 in there, so that's that note right there, which is the F sharp. So F sharp, pretty dissonant. So you end up having this fairly dissonant chord going on. So instead of playing a C minor, you have this sound. Now it doesn't sound that bad, but when you start playing single note lines, 
if done incorrectly, it might just sound like a bunch of random stuff that doesn't really quite make sense. However, in the context of this lick I'm going to play for you right now, it does. So first, I'll play for you a very simple vanilla uh, piano recording of just the left hand holding out the chord and then the little line. And then I'll show you on the guitar and then we'll walk through it a little bit and why it works. All right, one more time on the piano, and then I'll show you on my guitar. So I'll be sure to include this lick in the show notes today. So if you go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 228, you'll see the notation for this if you want to get a little bit of a closer look, but I will explain it to you. Now remember... All of this is over just a C minor 7. And so the lick goes... Okay, again, so a little outsounding, because, right, that's the chord, C minor 7. And we're starting out... Right? So the first notes are E flat, F sharp, then we have B natural, and then we have... D natural. So if we look at what those notes actually mean as it corresponds to a C minor, yes, we start out with the E flat, which is the minor third. But then we go to an F sharp, right? Which is what we discussed before. That's the sharp 11. And then we hit a B natural, which is the major seventh. And then we hit the ninth. But of course, the ninth at this point at this point kind of sounds like it's not relating back to the one chord anymore, to the C minor seven, if you will. So But the important part is that second line that I just played there. So we started out those really out notes that really outline the sharp eleven and the major seventh. But then these next four notes are in clearly diatonic C minor land. So the next notes are Okay. So that first note is G. So what is G to C minor? That's the fifth. Then we hit C, which is the root. Then we hit E flat, which is the minor third. And then we hit G again, which is the fifth, just an octave higher. So we start with these out notes, but we go back into diatonic harmony land. So start way out and then move back together. Now, that's one lesson right there. The first lesson is when you go out, you have to come back in. Now, a multitude of sins as far as playing the quote-unquote wrong notes can be fixed simply by resolving back to diatonic notes. And there's the old saying that you're only ever a half step away from a right note. And in some cases, and, you know, I guess that is sort of true. And when we're trying to play out, just remember that you have to come back in in order for it to sound like it was intentional and not like you're just playing wrong notes. So in this particular case, Keelan, the composer, he comes back in pretty fast. So he's going out for just a very little bit and then coming back home. And so that's one approach. 
But know that that doesn't necessarily mean that's how you have to do it. You can technically be outside for a long time, but as long as you resolve it back home, it's going to sound natural. But there's some other tools in this actual lick that are going to help it sound even more natural. So I'm going to keep going. There is part of that in what we just played just now, but I'm going to keep going to the rest of the lick because there are some secrets there that are going to kind of come full circle for us. So... So I'm going to go over just that part of the lick. So those next notes after this part is an F sharp, which is indeed, like we just talked about, the sharp 11 with the C minor. And then we go to an E flat, which is the third. Okay, that's good, the minor third. But then we hit that major seventh again, that B natural, really dissonant. Then we hit again in an octave lower, the F sharp, so that sharp 11. So now, if you have a good ear, listen to that again. Doesn't that sound kind of like a major chord? And that's because it is. It is a B major triad. So just a half step away from a C minor there, a B major triad, right? So this is a, a C minor chord, and that's a B major a B major triad to be exact. So C minor seven and a B major triad. And so that's what we're playing. We're playing a B major triad over top of the C minor. And that's outlining sharp 11s, the, the minor third, the major seventh, and the sharp 11th. And that's a B major triad. So that's kind of interesting right there. So again, we started with B major triad. And then the next line is actually just the same thing a half step down. Which is what? That's a B flat major triad. It's a B flat major triad, right? Because we had B major triad, then I said just a half step down, the whole thing again. It's a B flat major triad. Now this is still, again, this is over a C minor seventh chord. So let's think about the B flat major triad being over the C minor seventh chord. So first of all, what's that first note that we're playing? That's the 11th. Now the 11th is a very common extension to add on a minor seventh chord. So totally acceptable. That's not totally weird at all. So we have the 11th. And then the next note is a D natural. So a D natural, that's the ninth of a C minor chord. And the ninth, again, is a very acceptable extension in there. So it's actually a really beautiful sound. So we have the 11th, the ninth. Then we have the minor seventh, which is B flat, right? B flat is the minor seventh of C. So the last note, is the 11th again, which is an F natural. So so just a, the, the 11th, basically an octave lower, but that's all over a C minor seventh chord. So here's C in the bass, and then you have, so essentially you have this sus sounding minor seventh chord here. That's really what you're hearing, and that's totally acceptable. Now, the cool thing about this is, again, all of this is still over C minor seven. So we start with that, B major triad down a half step to a more acceptable grouping of notes in C minor that work. It has a nice flavor to it, actually. So again, we're also going out, but we're resolving back in. Even if it's we're resolving to extensions of the chord, which is mostly what we're playing there is extensions of the C minor seventh chord. 
But the other important lesson that I want you to take away is that if you use patterns and repeat patterns and resolve to patterns that are in the diatonic key center, it's going to sound good as well. So playing a B triad over top of whoops, there we go, over that C minor seventh chord might sound really out, but when you just go a half step down and resolve it to a B flat triad, major triad, it sounds great. So you're taking patterns and repeating them and it sounds really good. And we actually do that in the very first part of this lick as well. The Because we start with this little, we start on the E flat, that's the minor third. And then the intervallic formula here is, to the next note is a minor third. And then from the, this, this note to this note is a perfect fourth. So minor third to a perfect fourth, then up a minor third. So. Now the important, uh, the important pattern here is the perfect fourth up to the minor third because the next line is just a half step up with a perfect fourth to a minor third. So, and then it actually goes up the octave to that uh, G note, the fifth of C minor um, that is in the lick there. So again, we're using patterns there to really bring things together. Now, why does that work? It's because our ears latch on to patterns very quickly and very easily. Now, if you're just playing a bunch of random notes that don't really make sense at all with each other, then it's more likely for it to sound confusing and avant-garde and not like it actually makes sense. But our musical ear really loves to latch on to patterns. So when in doubt, play patterns that are similar to each other, right? And then they start making sense together. I'll explore this a little bit more in just a second, but let's go through the rest of the lick. So it starts. Now, he kind of keeps going with the pattern there. So remember, we had the B major triad to the B flat major triad. Then he moves intervolically down the same the first note of the B major triad. Oops, right here. And then he goes a half step down. And then he goes a whole step down. But you still kind of feel like this general movement of dissension, right? Right? Descending. So sometimes just the movement of where the line's going can make it acceptable as well. Let's examine what those last notes were. So the last part of the lick is... Now this happens to be right perfectly square in C minor, right? There's your C minor 7th chord. Right, so the first note here is E flat, which we've discussed is the minor 3rd. Very, very acceptable. Then we go ahead and hit the root. That's C. Then we hit G, which is the 5th. So, so far we got a C minor triad. Then we do a little passing tone, so a little F sharp. Now remember, F sharp, that's the sharp 11th, but it's different this time because it's only acting as a passing tone to get to F natural, right? F natural being the 11th. So that's, again, a, na a pretty natural extension. So, so it really just sounds more beboppy and bluesy, if anything. 
then it goes to an E flat again, just a whole step down, or uh, rather uh, an octave down. So E flat, that's a third. Then to the C, then to F, then back to E flat. Okay, so so firmly grounded in the C minor C minor seven there. So nothing nothing too weird to explore there. So all in all, again the lick sounds. So he's going in and he's going out. He's using patterns to stabilize the sound in our ears, and he's resolving back diatonically. Another little tidbit here is he is kind of mostly going outside with chromatics, chromaticism, as in half steps away from where the actual notes are, where the diatonic notes are. Now, you don't have to always do that. So if we're really thinking about some of the key lessons here, maybe you didn't understand the lick at all. Maybe you didn't understand the analysis or any of the things that I'm talking about. Perhaps you're not able to look at the uh, music that I provide in the show notes right now because you're driving somewhere or whatever it happens to be. That's okay. What are the main lessons I want you to take away? The main lessons I want you to take away are that if you go out, you just need to resolve back to diatonic land, okay? Just always keep that back in your mind. If you go out, you got to figure out a way to get back in. Second, use patterns to stabilize the sound, right? And you can also use direction, direction, right? That downward movement I was talking about. So kind of with this in mind, like just to kind of mess around a little bit, like what kind of things can I do to play out and then get back in? So... Or... Right? Now, a lot of that sounded out, but I mean, at the end of the day, I resolved to, or something like that. Right? So, let's try something else here. Right? Now, again, resolving back. That one was like pretty really out, like there's C minor. I don't know. There's so many different ideas you go through, right? You can be very intentional about being out. You could try to go out for a long time and resolve it, however you want to do it. Technically, anytime you play anything that just has a bunch of altered extensions, it's out. Like, for example, this classic five to one minor lick I always do, just a uh, altered lick. So just the G7 alt to the one chord. Now, a lot of those notes in there sharp nine, flat nine, and 13th, and the flat 13. Right, a lot of that just sounds really out, but we resolve it. Right, to C minor seven. So when we resolve, we can go out and we resolve. It could be as quick, it could be as long as you want. You just have to get back home. So again, Using the idea of always resolving, using the idea of using patterns, using the idea of using, you know, melodic direction, you can start making outside ideas sound good. So here's my big challenge for you this week. Whether it's over just one chord like I was showing you today, whether it's over two chords or an entire chord progression, experiment a little bit with playing out using some of these techniques and see if you can't create some really great ideas that you enjoy playing. Because at the end of the day, to really get this stuff, yes, you got to learn the language. Yes, learning little licks from etudes like this are definitely helpful, but you want to take those concepts and create 
some of them for yourself. Compose your own ideas because that's where you really start getting it is when you start experimenting with it for yourself. All right, that's all for today's show. Hope that this was helpful for you today. Hope that you got something out of this. Maybe it's just your very first maiden voyage into learning how to play out a little bit. And so even just taking one tiny little concept from this can be helpful and just trying it out in your jazz playing. So hopefully this was helpful for you today. Uh, As I mentioned, the sponsor of this show is my very own LJS Inner Circle membership. So if that sounds good to you, if you want to study etudes like this over top of Recordame, if you want to, you know, learn other jazz standards, we do one a month. We also have my courses like the Jazz Standards Playbooks, Volume 1 and Volume 2 courses in there, along with you know, a good handful of other really solid practice programs and a really awesome community of other people working on this stuff together. You can get your questions answered. Um, it's a lot of fun. We're all having a really good time in there. So if that sounds interesting to you, uh, do go check it out at ljsinnercircle.com and join us as a member over there. All right, so we're going to be coming out with another great episode of the podcast next week, which means that you need to hit that subscribe button. If you've never subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen, make sure you hit that subscribe button. I don't want you to miss any episodes coming out here. I have some great stuff planned here in the future, and I know you're not going to want to miss that, so be sure to do that. Um, Hey, if you have never left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, Go ahead and do that. That really helps out the show a lot. Appreciate your help with that. And of course, share this episode with a friend if you think it will be helpful. All right. Until next time, I'll see you. Happy practicing. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.